0: For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is discerning of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4, verse 12.
1: This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. And my name is Aaron. Aaron McKee.
0: That's it. That's the full name. <laughs>
1: Great to have you here again, Aaron. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks for having me back.
1: I felt like this was really a subject that expanded on me, and mm. really, I really got excited about it. I have to be honest, it's from a book. We got this inspiration from a book to do this podcast. It's yep. called Our Sure Foundation, and it was written by Peter Watkins. I've seen some of these before, but then when you started going through them, I was like, oh, there's another one, there's another one. And it's all about mm-hmm. how the Bible is written for us. And just with that thought in mind about how important that is when we come to the word of God mm-hmm. to consider that this is just not an ancient book, but it was actually written for us for all time.
0: Yeah, you know, it's something that I, I think you would assume is a fundamental understanding of the Bible. But like you said, you stumble across certain parts in the Bible. And when you start unraveling, there was a description that we just read in our introduction verse of the Bible is characterized as living. Right. And, you know, when you start coming across spots that that unravel what that really means, you get some really powerful realizations about God's word and how it was intended to be received by us. So I'm actually very excited to...
1: What you're saying, it's easy to read over that and not really stop to pause and consider it and then really see it in another place.
0: Yeah, well, when you had mentioned you wanted to talk about this and it was fresh on my mind and I was kind of reading through some things, I definitely was hit with new realizations Mm-hmm. as i was thinking about you know what does the living word actually mean right so where we're we going to start Aaron? we start in hebrews 4 and we talked about that use of the word living to describe the word of god well peter actually does the same thing in first peter 1 verses 22 to 23 he writes having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the abiding word of God. And, you know, I think that's a powerful descriptor, a powerful adjective. When you call something living Mm -hmm. and kind of struck me for a minute, because I was thinking about it, it's not something you would often characterize most works of literature as something as living because living implies you know something that is relevant and that is pertinent you know and i was you're thinking about this like a book in 1850 right would not be very pertinent in many ways and relevant to our lives and i'm quite young tim so even a book in 1980s (laughs) might not be pertinent and relevant to me because you know the message it implies the message becomes old and stagnant it doesn't prick the heart or the conscience of somebody that is reading it in the same way. Right, right. But, you know, here we have this characterization of the Bible as a living word. And I think before we really get into what this is all about, I think it's important to preface why it is so important. Because how we understand God's word to have been written to us, I think really in many ways Directly affects how we understand the Bible and how we yeah. would open it and read it and digest it as a document, and that's really a relevant thing because there's many Christians out there today who would believe that certain parts of Scripture are irrelevant or less relevant. You know, you think particularly of the, the Old Testament in particular has been accused of that it's outdated, that it's yeah. not something relevant to the modern reader, to the modern Christian.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking like in a university, you can take a class on this, but they treat it just like history, whereas oh, yeah. the Bible is has a to- totally different intent mm-hmm. behind it than just reading it as history.
0: It's really a fundamental thing for us to take the time to understand how God's word is meant to be received by us as we read it. And I think we're going to find that... Well, you know, the Bible is actually fairly clear on how it was written, and it's fairly transparent on how its word was intended to be received. And, you know, I think the best place to start in looking at this as a whole is looking at the foundation of Scripture, how it was intended to be received by us. And I think, you know, we can keep ourselves in the same chapter in 1 Peter 1, in fact. Mm -hmm. Peter seemingly has a lot to say about how the Bible was intended to be received by us in verse 10 and 12 of 1st Peter 1. And I like to think of this as one of those overarching verses that really encompass a lot about what scripture how it was written and how it was intended to be received. Would you like to read sure, that one to? Sure,
1: yeah. So this is 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, Searched and inquired carefully. And in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look.
0: Yeah, so I love these two verses in particular because they really show us two things. The first is that in verse 10, The prophets, all of those early authors and writers of Scripture, says they searched and inquired carefully about the very thing that they were writing and prophesying about in their time. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a clue as to how the Bible is written. But Peter really reveals the answer to us in verse 12, which is that it was serving not themselves, but us. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we really slow down and think about what that means. It's really a powerful statement that Peter is making. He's essentially saying that, in some cases, hundreds upon hundreds of years later, after these things were written, it was dedicated to the reader of his of his age and of his time. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a pretty powerful thing to think about. That that those things were meant to be received by his audience so many. Centuries later.
1: Yeah. Just to emphasize it's it's in verse 10 as well. It says, who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Hmm. There's all sorts of examples of this, but Daniel is a a good example. Just to bring up here, it's in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 9. Of course, Daniel had some significant visions given to him of the future. And he was one of these prophets who inquired Mm-hmm. And the angel gave him this this vision, and it says in Daniel 12, verse 8, "'I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things?' And he said, this is the angel, "'Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end.'" So there's that significance, like he really wanted to know it. He had no idea what what God was having him write
0: down. Yeah, it's a wonderful example of exactly what Peter was talking about. You know, In Daniel's time, when he looked at the spectrum, whether it be the prophecies of what was going to happen politically on the earth or what was going to happen, it was beyond what he would know based on the culture and the society that was around him. And I think that's a pretty powerful realization because it has a big implication about how those early books of the Bible were actually written for us. Um, But, you know, I think even just to give us a little taste that it's something that's even beyond prophecy, David kind of uses this same language in a lot of his writing of the Psalms. You know, I think of Psalm uh, 102 verse 19, which he says, let these things be written for a future generation to come, a people not yet created that they can praise the Lord. So, As the author, his intention was to prick the the, the hearts of people for generations to come after him. And that's a language that you'll see consistent through many of the psalms. Psalm 48, verse 13. These things were written with the intent of having an effect on people who were to come.
1: Well, I think David, moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote these things down. He realized that they were there for a long time Mm -hmm. to come. Even when the promises were given to him, he says, You have spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. You know, he understood Mm. the 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 living and abiding Word of God. That was
0: oh, exactly, hundred percent. And you know, I think when we slow down and we appreciate the significance of these verses and the statements that we've just read, I think we really come to appreciate just how far off it would be to suggest that the writings of these early authors of Scripture are in some way irrelevant or lesser than other passages of scripture or, or outdated yeah. or that the principles were marred by the cultural connotations of their time. That's
1: a big one. I think that's really becoming popular viewpoint. And if you haven't run into that, I mean, look out for that because that's that's really a problem.
0: Well, you know, I was funny you say that. I was just reading an article off my phone on something similar to that, and that was the accusation against some passages of scripture in, right. in the context of this article I was right. reading. but. I think when you really come to understand that that's how scripture was written, it really starts to unravel that accusation against the old Testament.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All scripture was given by inspiration of God is profitable Mm. for doctrine or proof and and so on. So yeah, it's really important for us to kind of get this sense that it's, it's written for us. It just wasn't written back in that time Mm -hmm. period. And we're just reading history, but it was written for us. And I think there's a very popular verse in Romans 15 verse four which says this, and this is the one I always think about. This is Paul. He elaborates on this. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Mm. So there it is. mean, it's written for our instruction uh, throughout the generations.
0: And that's a powerful thing, because you think of all those stories throughout scripture, and... Paul uses a very general statement and he uses a general statement purposefully because all of scripture, as you were saying, Mm, is, is written for our instruction and that's whatever was
1: written. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was not just what was written, but it was all these examples, all the stories. It's amazing how Mm. those two have lessons that come out, you know, you're reading history, but there's so much more behind that. And Paul brings that out in first Corinthians chapter 10 and he's Relating to them, the incidences of the exodus, the crossing mm-hmm. of the Red Sea, and how they were all types about the Lord Jesus Christ and about mm-hmm. baptism and all these things, and, and what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. He says, therefore, are examples. So, it's, it's mm. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. Now, these things took place as examples for us. Mm. That we might not desire evil as they did and, and such like. So the the exhortation is there. And Paul is saying that that was
0: written not for them. It was written for us. Personally it gives me a nice feeling about scripture because you realize that you're not just reading random stories with maybe good moral principles of it, but these are right. stories that echo and Pattern themselves throughout Scripture. They they have echoes of things to come, and that's what Paul is elaborating here in in Corinthians right. ten. He's saying these things. The, he says the rock was Christ in the wilderness. You know, it gives this whole other layer of understanding and depth to the things that happened in the Old Testament, and it really goes to demonstrate just how interconnected and and alive the Word of God is across thousands of years, hundreds of years between the authorship of Corinthians and when Moses was writing the accounts of Genesis. and
1: Yeah. For me, it's was like when Paul does this and he brings out these mm-hmm. lessons saying, what else didn't he have time to go through that I can discover back in those things and, and be able to mm-hmm. read and learn those, those deep lessons that God has there for us.
0: I, I think we've started laying the foundation for what a living word actually means. And when you start lay, laying that foundation for a living word, you're also laying the foundation for what does the inspired word of God mean? mean what does that suggest to us and i would suggest that at this point we can define a divinely inspired word in two ways you know i think the first one would be that we could suppose from what we've read that god took these authors some centuries ago so these special men and he set them aside and he gave them this verbatim account of what they were to write and he dictated these things to them and they recorded it and they're Mm. there for us to 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 reference back and to profit and to find instruction in or while admitting that that was true i think that we could take that understanding of a living word a step further and i think when we do this we come to a really powerful conclusion that really to be honest it really resonates with me and i like to go to matthew 22 verse 31 to kind of unravel this next this deeper aspect of what a living word means And, you know, here for a little bit of context in the chapter, what we're turning there, we see that Christ is having a dialogue with the Sadducees here and says they come to him and they're, they're pressing him about resurrection. And in his response in verse, let's see, 31, he, he says, And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? Verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And you know what Christ is doing here? He's actually quoting a dialogue that happened quite some time ago by the time Christ is quoting it between God and Moses at the burning bush. But instead of saying that which was spoken unto Moses by God, we pick up the key thing there in verse 31. He says that which is spoken unto Moses you by god and you know that kind of just gives me a little bit of chills because (laughs) goosebumps yeah it's that's a powerful reflection what christ is essentially saying is that god's intention was that those who read those words should receive it in the in the context of god speaking directly to them out
1: of the burning bush
0: out of the burning bush that's what christ says to us there
1: yeah what we're seeing is this pattern that this whole word is spoken to us. Mm. It's so easy just to read over scripture. I never had seen that before. Mm. It just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks how how awesome that is.
0: Yeah, it's in the context of their dialogue. You can kind of miss it. And that's one of those examples, I think, that really strikes you because the implication that God is speaking directly to you, well, that kind of changes the dynamic of how you, you know, when you open your Bible and you read these stories and you hear god counseling david or or anything like that well now we have a precedent that christ has given us that yeah you are supposed to interpret these things as if he's saying these things to you so that's that's pretty powerful
1: i'm sure that's how christ read his scripture
0: oh I, I absolutely i think he fully would recognize the instances you know talk about a living word yeah it's yeah, a exactly. word that was Christ understood the Bible was predicting very specific moments of his life. Yeah. It was life to him because he knew that was what was going to happen to him. Right. Based on what his scripture said.
1: Right. He had that focus too about us because he prayed mm-hmm. for us in John mm-hmm. chapter 17 and verse 20. He, mm-hmm. he says, I pray for those who come to believe on me. So he he had that, that sense too mm-hmm. of the, the future and the enduring word of God. So, yeah, that's a very powerful one that I had seen before. You know one I had seen that I want to share with you? It's mm. in the prophecy of Hosea. And this one, too, is, if you haven't seen this one, you got to – don't read over it. It's Hosea chapter 12. And Hosea's again, he's relating something that happened back in Genesis. He's talking about the time that Jacob wrestled the angel. He says – in the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. So when they were twins, mm-hmm. Jacob and Esau, they struggled in the womb. That's what it's talking about there. And verse 4, he says, He, that is Jacob, strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us.
0: Yeah, that's one of the powerful ones. That's, that's
1: shocking when you see the, because you, you think, okay, and there God spoke with him. No, he spoke with us. Mm. And then it says, the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. This whole story is talking to us about this this exhortation that the prophet gives. Right?
0: Hundreds of years later, you see him saying to his reader that they are being directly addressed by God. And I think that perfectly encompasses the nature and and really the full reality of what the living word of god means Mm -hmm. another thing that makes me think about when we talk about the word of god being directly addressed to us actually made me think of hebrews 12 verse 5 where the author of hebrews gives us a little interesting personalized message i'd like to say personal message i'll show you what i'm talking about in a minute Hebrews 12, verse five. And you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. And he goes on to quote the words of Solomon from Proverbs 3, verse 12. He says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. And then he goes down to verse seven. He says, it is for discipline that you have to endure for God is treating you as sons. And I think this Mm -hmm. is one of those cases that when you read over it, In a chapter, it's easy to kind of miss what the implication of what Paul is doing here. But essentially what he's saying is that these words, which were written hundreds of years ago when they were spoken by Solomon to his son. Well, in the context that Paul is referencing them, he's saying that this is as if God is speaking to us as sons. He says that's the exhortation that we pull from this. There's this dual meaning there in the Word of God, and it really encourages us as the reader to view these words with a very personalized message.
1: Yeah, that, that is really mm. amazing just to think that you know when you're reading something that Solomon says that you should be taking that exhortation as well. You should be putting mm. yourself in that place, imagining yourself there mm. as the Proverbs speak to you wherever you are, right?
0: Yeah, and when you come to view one passage of Scripture that way, I think— you know, the more you pick up and see it in other places too. Yeah. And that's when the word of God comes alive. Because it becomes so powerful. Yeah. It resonates in just a completely different way. And you come to really understand that the dual meanings throughout scripture, the connections that, that echo in different places. And yeah. it really does inform the way that you read your Bible.
1: Yeah. Now there's probably some listeners out there going, now Tim and Aaron, come on. There are some passages of scripture, <laughs> like the, the law of Moses, that you know they're they're past. They've been done away. We don't we don't read those things. Well, I got one more example for you, and this one is probably the the most shocking, I guess. <laughs> is uh 1 Corinthians chapter 9.
0: Hold on to your socks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a chapter where Paul is kind of He's defending his rights to be a a minister and to get paid for his ministry. Mm. It kind of goes in the whole background of his problems with the Corinthians and those kind of things. So he's giving several examples of people get paid for their work. And then in verse 8, he says, do I say these things on human authority? Mm. Now, that's interesting because that's our whole question is, is the Bible just humans? Or Mm -hmm. is there something is special about the Spirit of God that's inspired this? So he says, Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? So he's talking about the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. He's gonna quote (laughs) the law of Moses to prove his point. In verse nine he says, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Well, yeah, you read through the Bible, and God's yeah. very concerned about how we treat animals. We have mm-hmm. to treat them humanely. But the point taken here is that Paul is saying God's just not concerned about the ox you know, treading out the corn. That mm-hmm. yeah. you don't muzzle it and you let it eat while it's treading out the corn. That's the whole point. But he's saying mm-hmm. this has application for us. And now look at this verse 10. He says, Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake. Because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So here's this law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. You can think, well, how does that have any application for me, right? I'm not a farmer (laughs) and everything, but but (laughs) Paul saw a very spiritual side to it. So while we're not anymore under the works of the law, Mm. Paul says the law is spiritual, Oh and, yeah, and it has lessons for us that that we need, and it's it's difficult. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. There's a lot of yeah. parts of the law that that remain very mysterious, but mm-hmm. when we get those inklings of what some of these passages in the law mean, they become powerful too, and they speak to us. They're written for
0: our sake. I I love that you brought that up because if there's any passage of scripture that probably gets an accusation of outdated, it can yeah. be that. But Paul takes that head on, and he tells us that as you just were saying that. The law was written for us. And, you know, what I kind of take away from that section is that the word of God speaks to us. And I think it's important to use that present tense deliberately because mm-hmm. the word of God that was recorded thousands of years ago, you know, what we've been reading is that it's been purposed to us yeah. as the reader. It was Supposed to be in front of us and to be spoken to us as much as it was for the time people in Peter's time when he says it was written to you when Peter wrote his letters. Yeah. And I think it introduced something new to me, which was viewing the word of God as God's dialogue with man. And I wouldn't say that's, you know, I think that sounds kind of common sense, but I think it's so often that we view prayer that way. Mm -hmm. when we pray to god we're having a dialogue with god we're having a direct communication with him but i'll be honest for me it wasn't always the idea that you know when i'm reading the bible that's my direct dialogue with god but Mm -hmm. that's what it is god is speaking with us through his word and i think that's just a wonderful way to come to view doing your readings and and reading the bible
1: right there's there's one other passage that well, there's, there's tons of them. I mean, if if you're listening to this and you've got another one for us, like <laughs> like write us, because I'd love to yeah. hear it, you know. But it's in Romans chapter 4 and verse 23, where it's talking about Abraham and his faith and, again, things that were happening back in Genesis. And Paul mm-hmm. says in Romans 4 verse 23, the words, it was accounted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for us Mm. I mean, the message is, is the word of God, this living word as we've been hammering home here, I think, and Mm. and everything there has to do with how we're living our lives now and and where our faith is at.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So Aaron, like we've had a lot of these verses. I mean, how would you wrap this up?
0: I'm always inclined to end on a note of what this means for us. We talk about this Kind of abstract idea of the living word of god and we've honed down a little bit what that means we start with the foundation that this is a word that is inspired it's one that has a message that is timeless not only with the stories and the lessons that are you know as applicable now as that were six thousand years ago they'll never stop being relevant to you or they'll never stop speaking to you it's a word that has the power to still prick the heart in the conscience of the reader because it was written for the reader But above all, the summary conclusion of this is that we're left with a picture of a word that has been addressed and personalized to you. And and not just to you, Tim, but I say you as in anybody listening and to me. And that is, I think, an incredible thing to think about, that the living God has written something to you. I like to think of an analogy in in the sense that if you get a letter in your mailbox and Mm -hmm. it has your name, Tim, on the front of it, your first inclination is... To open that up and see what's inside oh boy i got mail yeah, yeah i got mail. something somebody wrote to me somebody <laughs> yeah. said something to me and you know that is exactly what god wants us to do with his word there is something for us in it it is a personalized message he's called us as individuals and we read his word in that way i'd like to end on hebrews 3 verse 7 as just a summary yeah. to this and the author of hebrews is writing he says today if you hear his voice Harden not your hearts. And the author of Hebrews is actually quoting a passage from the Psalms when they said that. But today was today when the author of Hebrews wrote those words. And he says, exhort one another every day as long as every day is called today, which is, of course, every day <laughs> if you're still following me. But, but the, pr- the premise of that is that now is the day of opportunity to hear and be receptive to the voice of God because he is speaking to you. And his word is without a doubt a living word. And the challenge is now put before us to be alive to that word.
1: All right, great. Thanks, Aaron. That was fantastic. You know, last season we had three sessions on the inspiration of scripture. If mm. you're listening to this one now and you haven't heard those, they are really complementary to what we were talking about here. So there's a, there was an episode called God Spoke. And all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And then uh, another one.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> Trying to think of what it is now. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? Every word of God is pure. So if you want to go back and listen to those, they're very complimentary. But mm. this is such an essential part to your Bible study is to have this viewpoint. So we hope mm-hmm. we it's helped you as the listener. So thanks again, Aaron.
0: Oh, thank you. All right, <laughs> bye-bye.
1: podcasts are great, but it's even better studying the Bible with friends. We're doing something new this season by using Zoom to have online Bible studies. If you're interested in joining us, then go to our website at essentialbiblestudies.org to see the times and how you can register and join us. We're giving away some free essential Bible study media kits. What's a media kit? Well, we're gonna send you a little packet filled with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks. It's a really cool way to share the podcast with others. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. I've been trying to share this podcast with friends and family and after I explained what a podcast actually is, the greatest difficulty is the technical challenges get over this hurdle, we've made some easy step-by-step instructions on how to listen to the podcast for either Apple or Android devices. So if you have an iPhone or iPad, we have instructions for that. If you have an Android phone or an Android tablet, we have instructions for that too. All you have to do is just go to this link. It's www.essentialbiblestudies.org help. That's www.essentialbiblestudies.org help for step-by-step instructions. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.